Wall Street Journal reports this week, a survey pointing to increased holiday spending this year as 38% of consumers say they plan to spend considerably more, and another 42% say they'll spend slightly more than last year. Only 7% intend to spend less. We're buckling up for a busy two months ahead as companies look to connect with consumers during a time of continuing change. In this edition of Commerce Code, acting on consumer values, connecting community, product, and brand. Dan Carell here, and this is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. Thanks for joining us for insights into the evolving world of digital commerce. With holiday shopping just around the corner, Amazon plans to hire 150,000 seasonal workers in the U.S. Walmart, too, plans to add 150,000 workers. This is in an already tight labor market full of bonuses and incentives for hourly workers that are already well into unheard of territory. Hiring isn't the only challenge for retailers. Accenture consumer studies for last year's holiday season and again in 2021 show that the pandemic has shifted many long-standing behaviors, some incrementally and some more dramatically. For many consumers, their values and what the study authors call a, quote, generosity of spirit, quote, that goes beyond simple gift giving will drive behavior more than in the past. It will be an act of agility for workforce-strapped merchants to flex to increased consumer spending that's driven by values factors that have intensified during the pandemic and are potentially different than ever before. Today on the show, we'll learn more about turning community action into commercial success in our conversation with Brianna Kilcullen from Enact. As some context for this conversation, Enact is a home goods brand that launched with a particularly clear vision for how its primary product reflects the organization's values. Enact had a breakout year for national publicity by getting directly involved in local community action in its hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. Brianna, thank you so much for joining us today. Where are you joining us from? Thank you for having me, Dan. I am joining you from Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Well, look, we're excited to get into the conversation. And I, I just want to dive right in with, tell us kind of specifically, how does Enact use Amazon and Shopify sales to invest back into the community? So the way that we use our sales and the channels that we sell on right now, we're pretty much 100% e-commerce. We do wholesale and we do direct to customer. We've been able to, through those sales, allocate a portion of those proceeds to community events that we do here in Jacksonville. Florida gets a pretty bad rap for just being backwards. And so it's really important to me, I'm from Jacksonville, to be able to do events that are progressive and talking about social and environmental issues as they relate to our local and global community to inspire our community, but also to spotlight change makers and what they're doing. So for example, we were on Good Morning America in April of this last year, which was this amazing opportunity where they were highlighting specifically small business owners after we were featured on that channel. Then we made those sales through Shopify. Then we took a portion of that and hosted this drive-in event that was COVID-friendly as well. And we're able to raise awareness around what's going on with the climate crisis and the textile industry's impact. And we've been able to continue to do events like that. But that's just a specific example that we did this year. Sounds like an event-oriented strategy, though, and it's been working well for you. 
Yeah, I think for the pandemic, it taught us that e-commerce is amazing in the sense that we can continue to operate 24-7 without physically interacting. But also there is this very important component of human connection and physically being out there and getting to see what's going on and creating that energy around activism. And so for us, that's where we like to merge being digital, but then also being able to curate these experiences in our community where people can feel that in person. So what we sort of talk about at DCA is commerce with a conscience. What trends are you seeing merchants use more broadly? What other kinds of strategies do you think they can use to promote that? I do feel like there is a lot of greenwashing where companies now see this opportunity to integrate some type of sustainability attribute into their marketing. And so it feels like it's not altruistic and maybe not completely in line with that brand, but they're kind of like, well, everyone's doing it, so we have to jump on it. For me, seeing that, I would really love to see brands actually decide on different initiatives that connect with their values and the ethos of the brand and might not be what everyone else is doing, but make sense for their customer and their community that they've cultivated. Because I saw just a lot of brands start talking about different social issues and it felt like it was a little bit backwards because they didn't even have diversity within their own organization. I've worked in corporate and so seeing that disconnect to me was a little off-putting. So that's something I would like to see more of in the future is actually whatever brand or company is talking about that they want to already implement it within their own culture before they are encouraging others in their marketing efforts. You mentioned this already a little bit once, Brianna, but I'd love to hear more about it, which is since the pandemic started, how do you think activism and sustainability have evolved, maybe particularly in digital commerce? Because in so many ways, the pandemic has led us to do creative or generative things that are new. And you certainly have been part of that. What else have you seen that, that you think has changed in digital commerce? So there was several years where we were really pushing this conversation around activism and what each person was capable of. And we got so much pushback that people weren't ready for that. That wasn't a conversation that anyone wanted to have. It was more about how do you make it easy for a customer to buy your product because of its sustainable attributes and less about how do you activate that customer. It was interesting to see then with what happened starting in March 2020 to where we're at now, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, how all of a sudden the tide turned and it was like, okay, now people are ready. They're angry. They want to see things happen. And so for me, I think it was inspiring. It was exciting. You know, we get to be a part of helping guide this conversation, create these safe spaces. Brianna, can you share just a little more about an initiative that you did back in August of 2020 last year that was picked up by Oprah and Drew Barrymore? That, that must have been fun. It was really fun. So the backstory on this is we actually had planned to do this in January of 2020. So this was pre-pandemic with a local organization run by a woman named Gigi Lucas called Surfer Negra. And so we connected and discussed how we could partner and work together and create this tote bag that showed a very iconic image of her with a surfboard and then raise awareness and sales to help provide access for young girls of color to learn how to surf. And then the pandemic happened. So we put it on hold. And then with the Black Lives Matter movement, we had a conversation and said, hey, let's give people an opportunity to create aquatic equality on the water. And, you know, there's only so much protesting that we can do. But what we can do here is we can actually allow people to wear their values. And so we created a tote bag. We had it screen printed with eco-friendly inks here in Jacksonville. The photographer Malcolm Jackson is this amazing, award-winning New York Times photographer who lives right down the street from me. And so we 
all came together, put together a press kit. And then through those efforts, Oprah Magazine picked it up and then later Drew Barrymore. And so we had a really amazing opportunity around positivity. Our hearts are still breaking at the racial inequality that exists here in the United States, but we were actually able to alchemize that into something and give people an opportunity to change that narrative. That's a great story. I will say I took a surfing lesson once, at, I think it was at Bondi Beach in Sydney, and it didn't result in me actually surfing. At all. <laughs> but uh, I concluded that I had other gifts in life and that that was okay. We kind of dove right into it on the front end, but I'd love to pause and hear a little bit more about how an act was founded and how you think about the mission and sort of what your background was that, that even got you into this to begin with. An act was really founded off of a lot of frustration. So my background, I study international business and then I worked in human rights in East Africa and South Africa and then moved back to the States and I was living in DC and was recruited by Under Armour to work in their supply chain department. And so from there, I'm really grateful because I was able to go into the belly of the beast of the textile industry and learn about how our clothes were made and understanding trade agreements and factories and production and sourcing. So I felt like there was this huge disconnect that existed between the clothes we were wearing and the reality of how they were manufactured. And the reason why I felt so strongly about this is because many people don't know the textile industry is the second most environmentally harmful industry right behind oil on the planet. So for me, I wanted to see that change and thinking if I work in these big behemoth companies, we can influence from within. And so when I was deciding at 27, where was I going to go next? I had interviewed with some very upcoming sustainable brands on the West Coast and I talked to their CEOs and I felt like everyone was just doing what the other one was doing, you know, just trying to one-up one another. And for me, seeing the, the tech textile industry, I was like, we need some Elon Musk in here. We need to move. This needs to go from a linear way of thinking to circular. We need to talk about why we're manufacturing all over the world and we can price a garment at $2. We need to talk about the amount of textiles that are ending up in landfill. And so that was where I took that leap and created an act, which is short for an act of kindness, an act of goodwill, but really to hold myself accountable to activism. And then, so I thought, okay, I'm frustrated with this industry. Here's the pain points I want to see changed. I'm going to create a product that's the best one on the market using these natural plant fibers. And so we'll go to market with it. And then we'll use a percentage of our proceeds to do the things that we want to see in our community while also driving the conversation for the type of innovation that needs to happen. And that was the vision I've set off with. And I moved home to Jacksonville. We were funded on Kickstarter. Everything has been really organic in terms of how we've grown. But that's really my background that led to an act and where we're at now. Brianna, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a great conversation, and we just wish you all the best as we come into the holiday season. Coming right up, closing thoughts on what we value and how we spend. Twentieth-century economists assumed that someone like me could be relied upon, on average, though not in every case, to be rational. Someone like me, or you, would find and buy widgets with the lowest price and the characteristics we needed. At the same time, everyone, including economists, drove around in cars styled at times with bulbous rounded body panels, at times with giant tail fins, rarely without a hood ornament. Remember those? Hood ornaments? Tail fins aren't rational. Hood ornaments aren't rational. In ways that we have a hard time remembering or relating to now, they reflected who we thought we were, which is to say that they reflected our values. 
The folks in Detroit knew us better than the economists did. We spend our money based on who we think we are. I grew up in a hockey family and a General Motors family. Goodness knows, those two ideas about who we were determined how an awful lot of our money was spent. We bought a lot of hockey equipment, and we could buy any car in the world as long as it was made by GM. We don't think about those things as values, but they were. Those two things told us where our treasure was. We valued them. How we think of who we are has really changed. I'm not sure how many families would define themselves by the car brand they drive anymore, let alone whole extended clans. But where older values retreat, new ones come in. And brands don't just follow consumer values. Brands can create them too. We've just had a conversation about connecting values in action to local communities and to the consumer. I don't have the exact formula, but I think somewhere in the intersection of values and community issues and action is the DNA for commercial success in 2021, whether it's online, with small and medium-sized businesses, or with the nation's leading enterprises. To find out more about the latest trends in digital commerce and digital advertising, check out our website, www.digcomall.org. That's www.digcomall.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. This is Dan Carell for the Digital Commerce Alliance.